0: You are listening to the Bomb Podcast with the world's greatest photographers, Boo-Ray and Gary.
1: Welcome to the Photobomb Podcast. My name is Boo-Ray Perry and joining me as always is Gary Hughes.
0: It's a fine, fine morning. How are you today?
1: I'm good. Uh, I'm very good. Uh, Nice day. Good Monday. And you just made me think of something, and maybe you're going to talk about this anyway. Okay. You had some weather issues?
0: Oh, goodness. Yes, we sure did. I I got caught in my very first hailstorm yesterday. Yeah, I found that amazing that at your age that you've never been in a hailstorm before. I'm I'm not that old. I mean, you know, I've been avoiding hail my entire life. In fact, hail has been avoiding me because you know that there are those roofing companies that they just go around to different neighborhoods with old houses and they'll like inspect your roof for free and their whole gig is they don't actually do the roof work they just basically refer to your insurance company to get it paid for and then another company will come in to do it and it and, and it didn't cost you anything almost like a um getting your windshield replaced on your car if you have comprehensive coverage on the vehicle the windshield replacement's usually free Right. These roof companies do this. And so I'm like, my house is from 1953. The roof's got to be 25 years old at this point. You know, so there's no way that, I mean, they'll find anything, any excuse they can to get this done for you. Like any excuse. If they find a, a dent from hail, they're like, write it up. We recommend that this gets replaced. And so the guy spent an hour up on my roof looking around. He comes down, he goes, it's the damnedest thing. I've never seen anything like it. He said, you don't have a single pockmark in the whole roof. <laughs> He's like, there's no damage anywhere.
1: This is that rare anomaly, the
0: honest roofer. Is that, is, that, is that what we run into here? Uh, yeah, exactly. Well, the point is, it's, it's like, am I? do I have some kind of Harry Potter-esque magical ability yes. yeah. where hail just is completely not a part of my life? Hail avoids me. And then from, from 39 years of never being in a hailstorm, never seeing hailstorm, always kind of wondering what it was like. And then yesterday I was leaving the studio. I got in my Jeep, and it was sprinkling a little bit, and then it was raining, and I was like, God, this is going to be a pain in the butt because I got camera gear with me, and all of a sudden, I hear, thunk, thunk, and my first thought wasn't hail. It was, damn, those are some fat raindrops. <laughs> right, right. That's <laughs> the way it is. It kind of
1: evolves because you just don't think, well, there's rocks falling from the sky.
0: So I, you know, it, all of a sudden, it was like, and it was, I looked out the window, and I actually posted a video on my, on my Facebook page of of it and it i mean it was i wouldn't say golf ball size but there were some getting darn near golf ball size and the whole parking lot outside my studio was just littered with chunks of ice and it was about a it only lasted for about five minutes and and here's the crazy part is it, it was like 70 degrees outside well that's the way it is with hail i did not see you see how much i don't yeah. know about hail
1: <laughs> yeah yeah I was in a hailstorm. Last time I was in a hailstorm was in like July in Texas. Yeah, so <laughs> you know it was hot.
0: Well, the, uh, I'm assuming that this is from, you know, ice falling from very high altitudes where it is actually cold and it can form into rocks of ice that are probably melting on their way down, but they get to the ground before they turn into rain. But I'm not sure. I'm not a, I'm not a meteorologist, but I did have this—I'm not a hail expert, okay, but I did— I have this really funny thought because, you know, my car is, it's a 2000 Jeep Cherokee and it's clean. It's in good shape, but it's not a car that I'm like so worried about anything happening to it. So I was like, oh, well, I guess this isn't going to let up and my house is only a, 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 you know, a third of a mile away. So I start driving and on the way home, I have to go under an overpass, I for overpass. And there was a guy, a young guy. If you were to like look in the dictionary under D for dude bra, like a dude bra, like that guy. Dude bra? dude bra yeah okay
1: well, i i i don't know what a dude bra
0: is a dude bra is like think about it. he probably drives a uh, a a car that you would associate with like a douchebag who can't quite get a bmw he wants people to think that he's a he's a racer but okay. he loves the car way too much to actually race it anywhere the guy who like parks farther away with a car that he paid five thousand yes. he paid five thousand dollars for the car like an old honda civic and he put ten thousand dollars into making right. it a and
1: treats and treats it like it's a fifty thousand dollar car
0: right it like it's $50, okay this is the guy probably a barbed wire tattoo probably in <laughs> yeah, a fraternity yeah. okay. he's got biceps that are like bigger than my neck you know like they right. like that that guy you know super tight t-shirt you know, wears his hats backwards, you know, always wears gym shorts for some reason, like a dude brah, like dude okay. brah, like that guy. Dude
1: so, bra, Oh, okay. The, the name comes from the, from that's what he says. He's right, dude yeah. and brah. Dude, dude brah. Dude brah. I was trying to make phonetically where this name was evolving from. I in
0: fact, that. with the dude bra, dude and bra are usually separated by the sentence that's in between. It's like, dude, check out my new spoiler brah. Like, that's how that happens a lot. Yeah, you with me? I'm on with that, sure.
1: <laughs> I like that. I thought about this when you started this speech. And let me just, and this is not even worth mentioning, but I, I, this, is, this is the way I am. I'm here for it. So, there's a guy, Douglas Adams, and he wrote a series of books called The Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. I've, I've read some. And in like, the fourth book, uh, the guy comes back to Earth finally after all these adventures. And there's a small little excerpt where there's a character in the book who drives a lorry as they say in the book. A truck, yeah, commercial vehicle. And it's raining on him, and it's always raining on him. He hates rain, and he has all these descriptions for rain, and it's always raining. And then there's a side thing that says what he didn't realize is that he was actually a rain god, and that rain followed him everywhere he went. And later in his life, when he realized that this was the case, he actually made a very nice living being paid by holiday resorts to not visit. (laughs) <laughs> so, I thought, so I thought. Well, this, this is you, Gary. You, yeah. you are you are the hail god, I'm the god of hail. Hail uh, does not hail does not. But except in your case, hail does not come to you.
0: Yeah. I, so I, I must be a not hail god, but the op, yeah. whatever the opposite of that was. But so, well,
1: I'm a rain god myself. Like because I work weddings all the time outside and almost never get rained on.
0: That you you should use your powers for the good of all mankind. I
1: did this weekend. I had a wedding this weekend, and uh, it started raining right after the ceremony and reign the rest of the day.
0: The thing is, I can't allow you to waste these powers here. You must go for the good of the city, (laughs) for the good of the state, for the good of the nation. You must go out immediately and start using your powers for the good of all mankind. Now, so I'm driving home, and I go under the overpass, and there's a dude bra with his Toyota Supra, or whatever it is, and he's just parked underneath the overpass, just standing around on his phone. And then, and I thought...
1: Okay, whoa, whoa, whoa. Here's what gets me about that. Why are you out of the car?
0: Because he's under the overpass. He's he's protected from the hail, him and his lovely vehicle. But why would you get out of
1: your car? Why wouldn't you just pull under the overpass and just sit there? Why do you get out of your car?
0: Because he's a dude bra and he wants to pose with his car for people who are driving by. Is that what that is? So that
1: people driving by can see this is me and
0: this is my car? Dude. 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 Dude, you, you don't get 28-inch buys, bruh, like, by, and not show them you gotta, off. You got to flex on the side of the road. So, you know, he's got, like, he's got like the, tank, the white tank top, the wife beater, the gym shorts, socks okay. with, with Adidas, like, the whole nine yards, you know, backwards hat, the whole thing. And I thought as I drive by, you ever drive by somebody and think, and this is a, this is a crappy thought to have. I realize this, and I'm, being, and I'm being attacked on our Facebook page for my negativity, but I digress. Ever drive by someone you go, man, I'm really glad I'm not that guy. Just glad I'm not that guy. Because, like, those priorities are so, I don't know. I don't really care about having, like, the nicest car in the world. In fact, I'm like, my car is old and it's got enough dings in it. It's like, I don't ever have to pull over on the side of the road just because a little hail decides to show up. You know, like, I don't have, I don't, I don't have so much, like, love into a material possession that it's like holding up where I'm going and what I'm doing. And, and that, you know, and he was probably a very nice man. He probably volunteers at his at his church. He probably gives money to charity. He, you know, he probably, you know, teaches, you know, disenfranchised youth how to do push-ups. You know, he's probably a really good dude. But at the same time, I just felt a little superior. I was like, what a douche. Like,
1: <laughs> let's get go. into this. Okay.
0: I get what you're saying. But uh, that's kind
1: of a justification thing, too. Like, uh, you know, I have an old truck, and so I revel in the fact that I have an old truck and the pain is peeling and everything else by being like, I'm going to merge. I'm merging, and you ain't got to like it, but I'm merging, and you can honk and whatever, but I'm coming in, and you're going to get out of my way because I'm driving a beater, and you are not driving a beater, and you don't want to wreck your car, and I don't care if I wreck my car. But
0: But I don't do that.
1: Yeah, but I do. But my my point is, you justify your place in life. You know, what I mean, if you don't have money, you look at a rich person, you go, that rich person's an a-hole. You justify that. You know that that, that therefore I don't want to be rich. And you have a, a bad car, you justify why having a bad car is better than having a good car. But that's not my point. Is there nothing in your life that you own that you feel this joy and attachment to? that you want to protect it and, and keep it pretty. And is it, do you, do you have nothing like that, that, that you're like, I don't know, not obsessive about, but, but just like, this is, this is my thing. I, yeah, I want to take care of this thing. No, not really. My ki- my kids. Yeah. Well, not, I'm not talking about your kids and your family, but I'm saying like, 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 you know, like you, some people have got their car nope. and, you know, and, and then, and then some people are closed people and, and,
0: I ruin everything I touch. And then some people have
1: <laughs> collections, you know, or they
0: collect things. No, nope, not really. No. Nope. I don't think I do either. No, no, really. no. No, no. There's nothing that like, I mean, I, I try to take decent care of my stuff, but I don't obsess about it. You know, like I, I usually end up paying a premium in, you know, having stuff fixed or having to replace stuff. And I realize that I'd probably be a wealthy man or wealthier if mm-hmm. I took nicer care of things. I'd probably have a lot more money in my bank account. But like I imagine my my philosophy is this: the only thing you have that's worth anything in your life is time, and so that's the only thing you can't get more of. It's the only thing that you you can't trade in, and so I look at all of the time that somebody spends taking the little rubber knife and cleaning out all the little crevasses in their you know air conditioning vents in their car and and the people who's you know I say, look at how much time. In the let's let's just be real positive and say eighty years. How much time in that eighty years am I going to spend lovingly taking a chamois to to my laptop screen? Yes, or yes.
1: But you see, the key word there is what you said is lovingly. Uh, For yeah, those well, people, that's not you know like somebody who like the like the one thing I don't want to do. Is go out and dig holes in the yard and plant some things in
0: them. Yeah, but some people it brings them joy. But
1: some people it brings them great joy, and it's the same thing with a car. Some people they they love taking care of their car, or they love taking care of their cameras, or there's whatever.
0: A, there's a there's a difference between the person who loves a thing and takes good care of it, and it brings them joy, and the person who is obsessively fastidious yeah. about a random random material possession. This is going by the way. This is going to reflect on two things that I want to talk about. But but I but I do I do want to note. And I love my ugly, it's not ugly, I love my beautiful old Jeep. I love it. I love that it's a little beat up. It fits me perfectly because it's sort of no frills and it's kind of, it just is exactly like, it's the car, you know, like the cars, it's the car that was like, I was 18 when that car was made. It's like the car Mm -hmm. of my, like, coming of age. Yes, if
1: I could get get my dream car that came out the year I was 18, I would... I would be very happy, but you can't get them because they've all been wrapped around trees. Yeah, because you can't get you can't get a 1982 Trans Am <laughs> <laughs> because they've all been wrecked by good old boys and dude bros.
0: Oh, you can, uh, but you'll pay. And it's oh, and it's just falling apart like crazy.
1: They just because they, yeah, they're not really well
0: met. So, so I'm going to back off and just repeal my judgment. What I'm saying is, I recognize in myself that like my thing about being sort of chaotic and not particularly fastidious and a little more fast and loose with stuff. It's like, I feel as superior about that as that guy does about being a boy racer dude brah. And like, I, my thing isn't any better than his thing. Right. It's just a different thing. Right. And, but so like, but I'm so at this moment, I'm driving by and I'm feeling all like, ooh, aren't, aren't I so great? I'm glad I'm not him. And then as I round the corner, my next thought was, I am him. I'm just a different, I'm just a different him. My next challenge to you then is, what is your name? What is the name for
1: what you are? Uh, I think they call it a slob. <laughs> no, 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 there's, there's got to be a name that, is, that would be indicative and, and strike the image of a person who doesn't take care of things or care about things, but is also righteous in their not caring about things and judgmental of those who do. Think about it and come back. I don't have anything, but I'll give it a thought. This is something you think about on your next drive, is how would you describe that person? Because I've, I know those people. Like, I had a friend of mine who uh, was never married and was just, like, adamant bachelor. Just like marriage is stupid, blah, blah, blah. Why would I want to do that? Blah, 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 blah. And then he met a woman and he fell in love and he got married and he treats her like a queen. And he did a complete 180. Completely changed from one thing to the other thing. And it's a perfect example of how he justified his existence. He justified what his world was by saying this is the way it should be and everybody else is stupid. And then, of course, Immediately when he joined the other side it became, well this is the greatest thing ever and the old way was stupid.
0: Right, absolutely. The the point is that if if you love something and you care about it and it's it's your world and and you hang your hat on it, it's probably stupid to someone else. But there's got to be a name for what you are because I I'm, I'm a little bit of that guy too.
1: I'm just like, "Oh, come on, really?" you know.
0: The only thing that in my life right now, I think because it's new, that I am obsessive about is my studio. And that's like because I am the thing, as I get older, I'm getting more and more sensitive to clutter, and clutter has become something that really causes me stress and anxiety, and it never used to bother me that bad. And so when you have a small house and four other people besides yourself living in it, three of them people who don't clean up after themselves, <laughs> unless you're running around horsewhipping them as they do it. So, you know, I have become someone to where cleanliness and orderliness and, and minimalism are very, very calming. And it gives me a nice, safe place in the center of the universe. So like every day now, at the end of the day, I go through my studio, and no matter how small it is, I put everything away, I put it exactly where it goes, and I push everything up against the walls, and I make sure that when I walk into the studio the next day, that I look around and I go,
1: <sighs> I was the same way. When I was single, I was the same way. and fact, Maver- my wife was afraid that we... We wouldn't be compatible because she's a slob. And <laughs> after coming to my house, she was like, "I'm worried about us living together because." And I'm like, "Why?" She goes, "Because last night I came over and we had drinks, and you had and you put all the liquor bottles out on the counter and stuff to make drinks. And then this morning I came back over and you had put them all away and wiped off the counter. And you had already put it all away and cleaned up. And like just between going to bed and getting up in the morning, I'm like, it was the first I did it before I went to bed." She's like, yeah, exactly. I would not ever do that before I went to bed. And then I, w- <laughs> I came to visit her and I went to her apartment and I walked in and her table was so covered in mail that you couldn't see the table.
0: Oh, that stresses me out like you wouldn't believe. Oh, It was just
1: just a giant pile of mail. And I was like, oh, I see. Mm, mm, mm. I, see what, mm, mm. I see what your concern is here. Mm, mm. So, But we managed to live together peacefully by uh, having me just completely change everything about me
0: yeah make. that works yeah that, that's just probably
1: that's how it goes she gets to she it's her world and i live in it
0: it's rarely a 50 50 proposition it's usually like you're just gonna get consumed by the greater power there's no you know what i mean it's just it is like her her slovenliness was stronger than your cleanliness somebody's
1: just got to say well you know what I, I want i want this to work and so i'm gonna have to change
0: half empty cans of coke you know like just sticky rings on all the countertops all that's just washing washing over you in waves until eventually you erode into a soulless nothing husk of a man I had a wedding this weekend yes so you said so if you're
1: wondering how many weddings I'm going to work with my new equipment before I fall and drop it onto a hard
0: piece of concrete (laughs) the
1: the answer is two (laughs)
0: <laughs> not like a tootsie pop at all we know exactly how many yeah, likes the answer is so two yeah, it's the two. answer
1: is two uh rain so we had to go inside small wedding at a house we had to go inside they have a back pool people out there by the pool that extremely slippery those of you who don't floor don't know that there, there is a type of pool tile that is just extremely slippery which makes no sense when wet and they had it and I was trying to walk around a metal pole to get to my bag to put my, to put my big lens up because I realized I'm not using the big telephoto in this house. So why am I carrying it? I'll go put it up. Oh, my foot hits that slip. Boom. I go down. My head, my temple hits the pole. Oof. I hold my right hand up like it's a PBR at a Leonard Skynyrd concert. <laughs> right? I save that, but my prime that's in my hip or my hip rolls out and my big lens uh comes out as well so they're like are you okay are you okay and I'm like save the gear you know I'm like I don't (laughs) I could be bleeding (laughs) from the I'm just like the gear the gear the gear that's all I care about you know amazing I get back up I check my gear and there's you can see there's a little scratch on the big lens right where it mounts and when you mount the big lens now it's not as smooth
0: Oh, oh, man, that's the worst. That's like yeah. the learning to live with a
1: limp. That's just, yeah, yeah, right? So I mean, I'm wondering, like, y- your guys there in Orlando, I'm wondering if I send it to them. Because I've looked at it under the big magnifier and everything, and I can't see any bends or knocks or anything in the mount. But there's no doubt that it doesn't. it's not as
0: smooth when you right, i would hardcore send that to mike at kiwi camera he'll sort you out
1: yeah you know but I, I feel like i feel like you'd have to have like microscopic calipers to figure out exactly what it is that's causing you know the little bit of the little bit of friction
0: oh yeah that. dude they got the mad scientist goggles with like the multifaceted yeah stuff yeah yeah oh yeah absolutely
1: yeah i don't know if it's worth the trouble because you know but but when you talk about loving something right when I left that wedding, even though we got rained out, but I still got, I got good images. I got good first look images. Um, I had lots of other, but still, I, I was depressed Yeah, driving home. I was just like, oh, my new gear. I dropped, I dropped my new gear. Did
0: you hurt yourself?
1: Yeah. I mean, my, my finger hurt, my, my head hurt, but I didn't care about any of that. I was upset because I got a pockmark in the spoiler of my Civic.
0: What happened was, is you just went from, your gear being perfect and shiny and new. And instead of that fading gradually over time, you literally just had that slapped out of your hand, right. like a bully hitting a lunch right. tray. It's just bam, it's just Now it's gone. instant.
1: And I'm like, okay, back to just like my old gear, because my old gear, you know, my old gear. <laughs> I was teaching a class one time, doing a live action teach on a class and, and it was done. And now we were just tr- talking and someone was trying to make a point to somebody else. And they said, Boo Ray, can I, can I use your camera to make this point? And I said, yes. And she picked up my camera and she goes, okay, so you do this and She holds it, and she goes, oh my God, how do you even look through this? Because it was so caked in sand and dust from working on the beach. And I was just like that. I had just given up the idea that I was going to have beautiful pristine gear because I worked on the beach so much. But now for the first time in 12 years, I have beautiful pristine gear. Not anymore, I, you don't. And I, <laughs> thank you for that. You're welcome. And I want to, and I want to, you know, I kind of want to keep it that way a little bit longer. And, uh, and, uh, I mean, it's still, I mean, like I said, there's no dents on anything. There's no, it still looks great. still works great. But just, I know, you know, I know.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It just, it just took the, took the little, the last bit of perfection. It's like when your car no longer has the new car smell, you know, it's like, oh, now it's just my car. Like it's no longer, it's not my new car anymore. It's just my car. And that happens over time, which you can deal with emotionally. In fact, most of the time, you probably don't even notice that it's happening. But imagine if you got in your new car, and then somebody got in and then just—I don't know—decimated it, it. Took a dump. Took a and yeah, somebody <laughs> took a somebody took a flaming hot deuce right on the floorboards of your car, and then it never smelled good again. And that would be like uh, now you could drive it. It still drives smooth. The turn right, signals right, still work. Right, right. You know the headlamps, everything. It it handles nicely. But uh, now it's always going to have a little bit of that. Uh, yeah, right. And that's,
1: that's, that's what's going on here. It's yeah. a little, you know, I'm, I, yeah, I'll be all right. Yeah. You just, just,
0: you just, yeah, you just lost perfection. And, you know, it's very human to be upset. I'll tell you,
1: though, shooting a wedding. This is my second wedding. So I've shot two weddings with a new gear and both of them, one on the beach and one in the rain. So, hey, good luck keeping this stuff pristine anyway.
0: Yeah, considering you do what you do, you know, I, yeah. it's not going to stay nice. My equipment I could I could I could literally never even wipe it down and it will stay nice. It doesn't even yeah. leave my office.
1: Right. I am I uh really trying to get used to the Fuji man. Wow. You wouldn't think it would that but your muscle memory is so ingrained that just trying to get used to it. I made a mistake at the wedding. It was so shortly after the fall and I had been shooting
0: Well, you said you did you did say you hit your head.
1: Yeah, and I had been shooting in an auto mode. And then it was suddenly, oh, take some pictures. So we're, we're on that back deck. So I'm bouncing off the wall. Thank God, house painted white. God bless you. House is painted white. So I'm bouncing my flash off the wall right behind me into, and, and shooting them overlooking the pool, getting the great, broad, beautiful, giant softbox light that you get. Soon it becomes everyone wants to get their picture taken right there with the bride and groom. So I'm just popping, bam, 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 bam. And I shoot about seven of them before I realize that I'm still in my auto mode from shooting natural light. Mm-hmm. I haven't kicked over to full manual. I'm still in my auto mode. So the camera, I've set my aperture, but the camera is setting my shutter speed and my ISO. Mm -hmm. And it's outside, and it's raining. And I look down, and I am shooting. Here you go. At ISO (laughs) (laughs) 12,800. Oh, yikes. Yes. So I immediately fix it, and then we get to... You wedding photographers know this. And then we get to the moment where you have to look at the images and go, do I ask them to reshoot them all? Right. Because now, because now, now it's moved on. They're, they're off doing it. Now and mean, be like, you go get the groom and get, can you please come back out here and get each one of your friends to come stand for a quick, which pick, these, were not por- these were not formal portraits. These were just having fun. Right. right? With the cigars. I'm sure
0: they're fine. There's no way they're not. Fun. And
1: I looked at them and I zoomed in on them and I was like, you know what? I think they're going to be fine. I think they're going to be fine, especially because it wasn't really low light. There was a lot of light anyway. But
0: have you pulled them up on the computer yet?
1: I have pulled them up on the computer, and I brought in Bobby, and I'm like, Bobby, look at these two images. Tell me. And she was like, what? I'm like, okay, that's all I need. She's like, what's, is there, what's the difference? I'm like, okay, that's all I
0: need to were know. You, and were you using an off-camera flash for this? No, I was bouncing. Oh, you, but you, but you, okay. So you were bounce using bounce flash, but so it was well illuminated. It wasn't like yes, you. yes,
1: and 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 the background behind them was brighter than they were. Yeah, you're. So fine. it's not like it was a dark room where you're going to get all these crushed up blacks and all this heavy, heavy grain. You know, they, they were bright photographs.
0: And now tell the class what you've learned.
1: What you've learned is, <laughs> what you've learned is, uh, uh
0: Say you've learned nothing.
1: What you've what what you've learned is a a i immediately went into my camera and changed my auto modes to maximum 3200
0: yeah that's uh, that's what i was thinking when you were saying it yeah yeah because because i had set here's the thing i had set that
1: camera up the same way i have my street camera set up and the way my street camera is set up the maximum is 12.8 right but the reason is because when you're shooting a street camera you're never using a flash so with a street camera you're like if i'm using the auto modes I'd rather get a grainy shot at 12.8 than not get a shot at all, which is what's going to happen because you have no other, alter- no other way to get light in the camera. You know, you're at, you're at f2 and you're shooting at 60th of a second on the, and it's dark or whatever. I'd rather have it grainy at 12.8 than not have it at all because I've set the cap at 32. Uh, you know, or, so that's, and that was my thinking when if I was doing natural light shooting on a wedding or whatever too. And then I realized, no, I need to set it at 3200, yeah, 3200. And then if I take the first one and don't get it, when I review it, I'll see, oh, I didn't get it. And I'll know, oh, get a flash out, dude. Put a flash on it. Because you could easily get lulled into complacently if you're letting the camera go that high into thinking, I could just shoot all this natural light without, and, and, and without ne- necessarily paying attention to the fact that, yeah, you're getting it natural light, but you're getting it at 12.8. Well. You know, it's too much. Uh, it's. Not immediately noticeable if i would shot that on my canon at twelve eight, the first time i looked at one i would have been like whoa
0: yeah that's a huge mistake yeah
1: <laughs> yeah but it, that
0: wasn't the case here the 5d mark 3 that would not have been yes
1: good. no not for the r no for the r5 you'd have been just like me you'd have been fine you may not have never ever noticed it you yeah know? so but what i was blown away was by was the fact that this fuji crop sensor camera i shot at twelve eight and I'm fine with it.
0: It's a strong argument for APS-C. It really is. Like, I mean, especially, it's, it's, again,
1: it's not R. It's not the R5. The R5 would probably go to the stratosphere.
0: I, I don't know. With, with with 45 megapixel sensor on a full frame, I I've been told, I've never pushed it. Um, I've been told that the, the actual, the low noise isn't as good as like, r6 for example which is the 20 megapixel version so I, I don't know i've never really pushed i shoot everything pretty much at iso 100 or 200 as it is so
1: i also had that moment where because this is new with my old camera it was always i was always in the same focus mode and you're just using the joystick and you're moving your focus point around. but now you got to switch back and forth i now i can go between that and i can go between i focus right and so then, just like the old Louis C.K. routine about, you know, something that you didn't know existed five minutes ago, and then when it doesn't work, you're pissed off. This is exactly the same one. And I'm like, oh, well, I'll go to eye focus mode, and then when it's not instantly grabbing eye focus every time, I'm mad because it's not working. <laughs> working yeah. every time. And I'm like, for the last 12 years, this didn't even exist, and now I'm upset. Uh, so I found what I did a lot, instead of going completely wide and letting it search for eyes, I would go to zone, which gives you a square that's about maybe a quarter of the size of your screen if you place that zone at somebody's head it will find their eye much quicker and easier um because if you're shooting a room full of people anyway if you're shooting people talking there's two or three people there it might focus on you want to focus on the bride yeah it can
0: get kind of annoying if it jumps yeah. back and forth between people yeah. or grabs the wrong person and you could miss a shot yeah
1: but i felt bad about having to kick over to old school because i'm but i got the new camera with the eye focus i don't want to have to move the spot around anymore but of course you know you got to live and learn, I guess. Well, I'm, I'm glad you didn't get seriously injured. So yeah, so I'm walking back to my truck. We just parked way out on the road in the rain, carrying my brand new $400 bag with my gear in it, getting wet. and My bag's getting wet, and I dropped my gear, and oh, it was just
0: awful. Yeah, yeah. That, at that point, you had a tough day. And then I get home, and I look at everything, and I'm like, everything's fine. Yeah, you did fine. You did a good job. Yeah, It's funny, with weddings, I would find like when I walked away feeling like I crushed it, I would pull up the images and be like, "It's not as good as I thought," and then yeah. I'd walk away from a wedding feeling like I just barely skated by. It'd be like, "Actually, I did a great job." Yeah, that's always yeah. the
1: case. You always either underestimate or overestimate what you did. Oh, I have one other thing too. With this, I'm talking about things you love. So you know, I'm I'm a peak design. I'm a peak design guy now.
0: Yeah, now we're uh, we're going we're talking about Strapgate. Yeah. yeah
1: strap case. i got the peak design strap you know and i love the peak design love that i have become that guy now everybody people who love peak design love peak they're like apple users they make solid stuff yeah yeah they love the peak design strap so but my problem with i talked about i think i was gonna talk about this last week is that hooking it and unhooking it from the camera and the buckles there's too much stuff right around your hands and so forth and so on and then right after that podcast i i had an idea which Many people have had this eye before. If you look this up online, I'm sure you're going to find everybody's talked, done this. But I came to it all on my own and I was so happy. And I solved my whole problem to where I could keep using the peak design. And it's because there's two, two sides to the strap and they strap to the camera. And what I did was I fixed it so that one side of the strap straps to the other side of the strap. So now it is a closed loop, just like a Black Rapid. It's a closed loop. You just put your arm through it and hang it over your head. It doesn't go anywhere. And I just have one anchor that anchors to the bottom of my camera, and the uh, anchors are rated at 200 pounds, so I should be fine, and people say, I don't feel good with just one anchor, I want two anchors. Yeah, but if one of the two anchors on that strap breaks, the, strap, the, the camera's going to the floor. Yeah, <laughs> it, doesn't, it doesn't matter if you have
0: two. <laughs> yeah, because
1: if, one of them, if one side of your camera strap breaks, the camera's going to the floor unless it's in your hand, and if it's in your hand, it's not going to the floor, even if you only have one anchor. So um, so I said, I'm going to make a video about it because I was so excited to solve this problem. So I get to stay with the Peak Design strap that I want to stay with. And then I love it so much, I bought a second one that I'm going to use for my travel camera. And it's big for my travel camera, but it's comfortable. But then I came to the realization, oh, it's big, which means it's going to take up room in my bag. No, it's not because I'm going to remove the strap from my bag and replace it with the Peak Design strap. Wow. Because I'm never carrying my bag and need a strap on my camera if i'm carrying my bag my camera's in my bag and i pull it out shoot with it and put it back in my bag and if i'm not carrying my bag my camera's strapped i only need one strap on vacation
0: you only one strap on vacation yes
1: one strap on that's okay. all i need okay you only need one it's too much trouble to take because it takes up room in the luggage it's a lot of sanitization so yeah you know, yes and a lot to, yeah to keep things clean and there's customs so so i just have the one strap so i will strap i use that to oh, my bag and then once I once I get to where I'm going, whatever I'm like, oh, we're gonna go go whatever we're on a cruise. I'm gonna go ashore. I'm not gonna carry the whole bag; I'm just gonna carry the camera. Pop, pop, pop the strap off the bag, put the strap on the camera, and then everybody's happy. Gary.
0: So, what is it like to be essentially the MacGyver of professional photographers? I am, in fact, the MacGyver. I have the hair.
1: You do, yeah. I do have the, I have the MacGyver hair. If I could just get a little longer in the back, maybe a little wilder
0: yeah. with the with the feathering. Yeah, well, we need the mullet. Yeah, they gotta have a little more party in the back. But here's the
1: thing: I felt so happy, and I was like, "I gotta make a video. I gotta show everybody this." And then I posted on my channel, like I figured out, solved my problem, and somebody immediately posted a picture and said, "Did you do this?" <laughs> yeah, that's exactly what I did. I, I'm not a genius. Everyone, yeah. may, everyone thought of that a long time ago, but there was a particular that I thought of it without having seen it anywhere. I love. No, I, I love efficiency. I love it when I solve an efficiency problem like that. Like, Speaking
0: yeah. of efficiency, did you see my new YouTube video on the studio, on the, the tour of my new studio? I, I don't know. I mean, I've seen,
1: there's been so many.
0: It just came out this, came out this morning.
1: Oh, no. God, no. I haven't seen it. No, I've
0: it's seen the last time. one in the series, so calm down. You don't have to watch any more of okay. them. But uh, yeah, it gives you, it's like six minutes long, gives you a tour of all the cool little efficient things that we've done. In the studio, and uh, I'll put a link to that in the description if anybody wants to check
1: that out. Oh, I have one other thing, too. I sent a picture to your phone just a few minutes ago. Okay. uh, While you were Oh, my God.
0: Why did you send me that?
1: Okay. (laughs) Look (laughs) at this picture. Okay. Look at this picture. Okay. So, Lena Dunham, the actress, she did the TV show Girls. Yes. I'm familiar. She is coming out with a line of clothing. Mm Mm-hmm. And it is body positive clothing. Mm -hmm. And she's putting out her statements and she is talking about her line of clothing, which is about body positivity. That it's horrible what we do, how we subject women to this, and we need more body positivity, body positivity. And I'm making clothes, body positive, because how your body looks and you should not be judged for it, etc., etc. Now, I sent you the picture. Can you see the picture? I'm looking at it right now. The way this picture is posed and shot, does this look like a person who is not worried about how her body is perceived?
0: I would say it's uh, posed and angled to minimize. If that, uh, I, First of all, I like, I like Lena Dunham. She's great. I, Brilliant. I, I, I'm fine with Lena Dunham, but I felt that there was a little bit of a disparity between
1: her message and her image. The camera is high. She's shifted her hips back away. She's doing all the Instagram tricks that, that people do to make them, their body look smaller.
0: Right, yeah, she's trying to look as thin as possible in the photo, which who doesn't? Who, who doesn't? but like if you're you, you know, you want to show body positive clothing. Gosh, that's a weird that's a weird thing because like, you, you, you want to make yourself look bad in the clothes? Like, are you trying to sell them? Like yeah. I don't
1: understand. So I, I get I, that too. I'm not exactly sure how you do that, but I'm just saying when I read the message, and I'm like, okay, and then immediately I saw a picture where she was doing every cheap Instagram trick she could do to try and make herself look thinner. And I'm like, shouldn't you just be posed, waist level straight on, in the clothes, saying, this is my body, I'm proud of it, and these clothes look good on it, and if you think I'm fat, screw you. Because, you know, her, she's very militant, you know, she's very, nah, you know. And and But no, instead it's, oh, let me get the camera and tilt away and do all the other stuff that, you know, and, and you're like, you're... You're doing the very thing you're supposed to be railing against,
0: yeah, I don't disagree with that, uh but at the same time i I honestly don't care i know <laughs>
1: <laughs> I don't care either
0: i I do think that it basically looks like she took an old jacket out of her dad's closet that was crumpled up underneath right. six pairs of shoes at a duffel bag, and uh she put it on like it's just does body positive clothing mean? Baggy enough to cover up my body. I feel like body positive clothing would be like accentuate your 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 unique form. Well, or this is the
1: other thing too. Is I don't think the picture in any way really highlights the clothes.
0: Yeah, she she looks like she she robbed little Stevie's wardrobe from the set of Sopranos. Okay, <laughs> like it just doesn't. All right. <laughs> but, like, I don't know much about women's fashion, to be honest. I think it's fine. I, I, don't, I don't care. I, I think that the quality of the photo, like, just like a photographer, is the thing that stressing me out. This looks like it was taken with a phone. and right. uh, It may have. Yeah, there's, like, power outlets on the wall behind her. And, uh, yeah, yeah. like, you know, try a little harder. Yeah, it's definitely taken with a phone. Because you can see, like, all the strains of hair blocking up from the uh, algorithms. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, you know, I, I, uh, I don't disagree with you. I just don't care. All
1: right. Let's, uh, let's do that thing we call photography news.
0: Photography, photography news. news.
1: First thing I wanted to talk about, which I thought was kind of cool, was that uh, I saw a story where the official White House portraits mm. of President Joe Biden and Vice President Kamala Harris were shot with
0: a Sony A9 II. I did see that. Yeah, I'm looking at those I'm looking at those portraits. Now these are not like this this wouldn't be the portrait that is the official portrait that they hang in the White House. This is like the the one that goes into like the DMV and hangs on the right. wall. Right.
1: Which which by the way I've always thought was funny that that like when you go into government buildings that there's this picture of the president in a little frame somewhere on the wall. I've always thought like okay, it's it's you know, it's the social security office. Why do we need this like an icon of the president on the wall. Should there be a little altar over there, maybe some prayer candles or something too? I'm
0: just—I've never under—I've just never understood it. I was having the opposite thought at it. I was like, I think it's kind of nice. Like in in an era where we're so divided across these partisan lines, it's like, hey, look, no matter what's happening, this is the boss. This is a federal agency. No, yeah, but he's
1: not. You know, you're working at the you're working at the Social Security office in Spokane, you know, there's a picture of Joe Biden. I'd rather there be like a picture of your supervisor on the wall. So when I'm mad, I go, I want to talk to that guy.
0: Yeah, like 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 at Publix grocery stores, how they have the manager's picture
1: with his name under it. I want to talk to Bob Smith about the condition of this boar's head meat you just gave me.
0: I ever tell you that the Publix by my house there, the 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 deli, not the deli, the meat section. And the not like you know, like cold meats, not like where you go get sandwiches. So, like, uh, I don't know what you call that, just meats, meats and produce are right next to each other, they run right into each other. And so, the portraits of the two managers, one of each department, hang right next to each other at the sort of barrier that the 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 border, if you will, of the of the two places, the north and south. And so, and this is this is a part of this, the best. The grocery store manager's last name is. Uh, the the produce manager's last name is Slaughter, and okay. and and the meats department's manager's last name is Gardner.
1: That's <laughs> <laughs> obviously been a mix-up. Like it's obviously like, been a mistake. Made. Like,
0: what's what's going on? Like you guys have missed a key opportunity <laughs> to really yeah. make something. Especially although the the irony of that is delicious, and I wonder. Because I always look at the headshots when I, if they have them in in any store, whether it's the gas station or like you know, Wawa has them up. Their their employee of the month. So I always look at the pictures and wonder who let this person take their picture. But the uh, <laughs> so this, and I just stand there, and every time I go in there, I look up and I chuckle and I yeah. see Sergeant Slaughter, or sorry, uh, <laughs> Mister Slaughter, always working in the produce department. He's there almost all the time when I go there, and. God, one of these days, I'm just going to get up the balls to ask and be like, "Have you and Gardner ever talked about just switching jobs? Yeah, have you ever thought about? You can't it? be the first person to think about that. I can't. That's why I haven't said it because I. One of the things in my life that I always try to do is not to be the person who's the one thousandth person to make a joke. Right. So if you like, when somebody you meet somebody named Roxanne and you're like,
1: Roxanne, right. never heard that before. Hi, my name's Blu Ray. Oh, like Blu Ray. Yeah, like just like Blu-ray.
0: Exactly. Or, or when somebody's excessively tall, like you meet somebody and they're like six eight, and you go like, "Gee, you're tall." It's like, "Yeah, I wasn't aware of that." Like, I just don't want to be the guy who always says right. the obvious thing. And I, and, you know,
1: whenever whenever you meet somebody and there's something obvious about them, do everything you can to ignore
0: it. Be the only person who doesn't say it. Like, like I'm an a-hole. So yeah. when you meet me, ignore oh, it. I, I point that out plenty. Don't worry. Okay. Just not when, just not when you're around. Been
1: pointed out so many times yeah. that it doesn't need to be pointed out anymore. <laughs> yeah.
0: Yeah, that's that's
1: fair. So, yeah, about these portraits, yeah. Wait, a minute. I, whoa, whoa, whoa. I want to say this. If you're a photographer out there and you want to be judged, I mean silently judged all the time, be the guy who shoots the headshots that go on the wall in like the local grocery store. Or the McDonald's or whatever, because every photographer who comes into that place Hates is going to look at your headshot and pick it apart.
0: Yep, every time.
1: <laughs> every time I'm there, I'm like, let me see that headshot. I'm going to walk over. Let me see what this guy did here with this. Let's just take a look at this headshot on the wall.
0: I can't believe those catchlights. Can you see those catchlights? They're terrible. They're the thing, yeah, right?
1: you will be judged all the time. You won't know it because you won't be there, but you will be judged. Next time,
0: time I'm in the grocery store, I'm going to go over to those headshots and I'm just going to give them a little salute and be like, a good job on getting paid for. Your work, my friend. Good job.
1: Well, one of my great things is that a lot of times uh, the headshots, I know the photographer now. Like my friend Kevin Newsom does all the McDonald's. So every time I'm at McDonald's, I look up and I go, let me just, jo- oh, it's Kevin. It's fine. It's good. <laughs> it's fine. It's fine. Uh, so, yeah, so a Sony uh, shot. It's the first time that Sony has shot the official uh, presidential portrait. A uh, chief official White House photographer, Adam Schultz, shot it with his Sony A92. The first president to be shot by a digital camera, Obama. Uh, mm. His first presidential portrait shot by the Canon Mark II, a- and then the uh, Mark III, I believe, shot his second one. Yeah, so the Mark II and the Mark III. A- and then Trump was shot with the Canon 1DS Mark III.
0: Well, you know, that uh, uh, this is a points for Sony. I think it's pretty cool. I, I, don't, I don't, You know, I'm not going to comment necessarily on the, the quality of the images themselves. I will say, I don't know if you have... If you remember, uh, any bombardiers out there remember our, our discussion about Kamala Harris on the cover of, I think, Vanity Fair, and people were talking about her skin tone. Take, take a look. She's a lot lighter than she was in your imagination. This is what she actually looks like. So stop stop picking on photographers for this stuff.
1: And I got to say, and I haven't, I haven't talked about this at all, I don't want to be political, or, or I don't want to get into a political thing, but I'm looking at her portrait. Kamala Harris is hot.
0: I am, yeah.
1: I'm sorry. That's the hottest, I'm like, that's hotter than any first lady. Well, Michelle. But but I mean, she's hot. Like, hot. Like, turn and watch her walk down the street hot if she passed me.
0: After, yeah, out of respect uh, for the Vice President of the United States, I'll refrain from being crude, but... I'm not trying to be crude. I'm just saying she's a beautiful woman. She really is. Although, I don't think the bar is particularly high. And, and, and... Maybe Al Gore would be mad for saying this, but <laughs> I will say that she is unequivocally the most attractive vice president we've yes, ever had.
1: I would say that too. Here's the thing, though. Here's the thing that impresses me, and, and maybe I'm wrong about this. Like, you say, you know, if you're a beautiful woman, it opens doors for you. You know, and women will say, oh, yeah, the, you know, the pretty girl gets this, the pretty girl gets that. And that's true. But I also feel that there, there's kind of maybe a point where it works against you. Oh, certainly. And, and, A lot of times it's going to be in areas like, I mean, she was district attorney. She was attorney general for California, right? And then you look at like, well, Janet Reno, when she was attorney general for, you know, D.C. In some jobs like that, you think actually being beautiful could maybe work against you because people don't take you as seriously.
0: I would take Janet Reno mad seriously.
1: <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Janet Reno stands up and says, I'm the attorney for the government. You're like, oh, you're, you know, you're like, oh, that's, she's going to knock you down, right? So so I, I, which makes it impressive to me that Ninety-nine percent of the time, being beautiful is going to help you.
0: Well, no, no, no. Being beautiful gets you free drinks and a ride on a speedboat. Being beautiful doesn't get you a promotion. Being, you know, like if you're a woman, no, it's it's uh, in my experience, and especially speaking to many of the professional women that I that I work for in my in my business, it is the the women who are younger and beautiful, and they're in serious serious professions, like, are frustrated by the fact that with their young and attractive that they're right. not taken as seriously. And I don't say that's not 100% of the time, but it is certainly common. And uh, so, you know, score one. Yeah, but here's the problem. It's the only equalizer against being a total smoke show. Because this is like at least ugly girls can have right. a career, you know? Right. Like, <laughs>
1: exactly. That's right. They, 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 need, they need the love too. Yeah, they, well, you know. Here's what I think I found was interesting. is Obama's second portrait shot with the 5D Mark III, the lens, 85 millimeter f1.2.
0: Yeah, interesting.
1: You're going to shoot a headshot at 1.2?
0: I doubt it was photographed at 1.2. You're
1: going to shoot 1.2? You're going to shoot the president's headshot at 1.2 and then get home and be worried that one of the eyes is out of focus?
0: I don't think that. I think it was probably capable of 1.2. I would be shocked if it was actually photographed at 1.2. I'd be shocked.
1: It says 85 millimeter 1.2L. That's... That's the, that's the type of... Oh, okay. Of course you can change that. Yeah. Way. Come
0: on, man. Tighten up. Okay. Duh, you, yeah. I, I realize you hit your head this weekend. I'm
1: thinking it's that lens that you buy that's locked in at 1.2, Gare.
0: There's, is there such a lens? I I mean... <laughs> no,
1: there isn't. No, I'm there isn't. Sure there isn't, but I don't know what I was thinking.
0: I know. Look, you're getting older, and you've had a blow to the head.
1: Yeah. And that's exactly what it is. I
0: think you should call your doctor. All right. Next up in the news, Canon uh, has... its decimating its library of ef lenses by discontinuing more and more and more the list goes on and on and on um here we go let me just look down the line here yeah all of them all of them they're gone the
1: efs 10 to 22 3.5.5 the 14 millimeter 2.8 the 15 to 85 the 35 2.8 the 24 70 f4 wow i mean it really is too long to list
0: and now, uh, if these were Leica lenses, I would say start snatching them up because in 10 years they'll be worth $50,000.
1: <laughs> so, I mean, there's just no doubt. And I've had a lot of people ask me on my, on my channel, uh, on my YouTube channel, they're like, I don't understand. You said, you made a whole video where you said you weren't going to switch to the Fuji uh, 3 and then you turned right around and you switched to the Fuji 4, right? To the X-T4. What changed? And I'm like, well, IBIS... You know, and a couple other little features on the camera. But the main thing that changed was I reached a point where I had to switch. I felt like I have to make the switch. The switch has got to happen now. As long, Listen, if I could still be shooting with my Canon gear, I would be. But if you're shooting Canon and you're not shooting mirrorless, you need to start looking at getting out. Because Canon is obviously just done with anything
0: that isn't mirrorless. It's not going to be long before, you know, they won't have any. EF lenses uh, that they st- continue to produce. So, you know. Meanwhile, if you're
1: some guy who's like, I'm not shooting professional, I'm just a hobbyist and having a good time and blah, 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 and I don't care about mirrorless, Who are you going to be able to put together a great library of lenses on the used market?
0: Yeah, no question. You- <laughs> but again, this also means that now these lenses are going to become harder to get mm-hmm. as time goes on. I don't know that, we, I don't think that there will be an impact on the used market price for a while, but there's certainly going to be. Um, you know, harder and harder to find. In twenty years from now, these lenses aren't going to be thin on the ground. But at that time, who's who's who cares? Right. <laughs> like, um, in other lens news, if you are a Nikon mirrorless user. Nikon has put out firmware updates for both the Nikkor Z 20mm 1.8S and the Nikkor Z 85mm 1.8 um and you can I I have no idea how to update the firmware on a lens and I have literally never done that before I will look it up on YouTube at some point when I need to do that because there is one for my 70 to 200 but uh just keep that in mind. I think it uh fixes some stuff and potentially helps you take better pictures or something. I don't really care. I don't shoot Nikon, but you know, hey Nikon guys, this is for you. Update those lenses if you got them.
1: Uh story, you know how you know I love the good copyright stories. I know you do. Love the good copyright stories. Uh so this is a story about a picture of Prince. Lynn Goldsmith took a picture of Prince and um after he died in 19 in 2016, um Vanity Fair decided to publish a Prince tribute magazine and there were 16 colorized versions of that photograph, basically, that had been done by Andy Warhol. This would be uh, Warhol's son. Mm. What's Warhol's first name? Andy? No, Andy Warhol. Oh, okay. Andy Warhol is the guy from the 60s. Yes. He's still alive? I don't think so. When did he do
0: these? I don't know. See, he's one of those celebrities who may or may not be dead, depending. Yeah. <laughs> Let me see. Okay. <laughs> I, the only pictures I can find of him are, yeah, he, uh, let's see, he died in 1987. Okay, so these,
1: these pictures were not done by Andy Warhol. Because, you know, I, isn't Andy Warhol like his son? Does he have a son or something? Or do they just, or do they, or do they just have other people do work and, and it comes out under his association name?
0: This is a photo from Prince from the 80s. Oh, okay.
1: All right. So Andy did. Okay. All right. Cool. Anyway, he took the photograph and he colorized it uh, 16 times and they used it in the magazine. And so then Lynn Goldsmith sued and it went to court and the court said it was fair use. So she appealed and it went to the second sort of court of appeals and they reversed it and concluded that it was not fair use. And I mean, you just you go down the rabbit hole on this stuff and you look at all of the way in order for something to be a fair use, it has to be transformative and it has to be et cetera, et cetera. But the judges said, if you look at the work, it's not really transformative and it absolutely competes directly with the picture. And it's obvious that it comes directly from the picture. And I agree with this. I agree with everything that holds up copyright from some people. Um, so she's won this and, and the Warhol people, of course, are still saying, no, this isn't true. Um, but it brings up the bigger issue that I think that they, they, that they mentioned in the article that I read, which is even if it's kind of transformative, right? Like if if I've got a picture and then you take it and you colorize it and you say, now it's transformative. I've colorized it and I'm going to sell it because it's my picture and I can use it for my entire life then I can license it out. And I can license it out to people for that purpose. Like there's an example in the article I read where a picture of uh, Patty LaBelle had been licensed to a magazine. And then the magazine had like scribbled crayon colors all over it to make it all, you know, jazzy 80s looking or whatever. And that was totally cool. That was my picture. They licensed my picture. And I, and I said they could do that to it. And they did. And that's fine. So I don't think you should be able to just take my picture and do that to it on your own. And because you did that now, you don't have to pay me a licensing fee.
0: Especially not when there are, there are means by which you can license an image to do the same thing. Yeah,
1: I, well, I guess my, my point is, it's not like a painting where the painting is a painting and it's never going to change. With a photograph, I can go back and take a photo I shot 10 years ago and, and do stuff to it after the fact and, and transform it myself. So you transforming it shouldn't give you ownership of my work. I agree. Okay. so it that doesn't means. give
0: you ownership of their work, it gives you ownership of that work if it's I guess, deemed to be different enough. And right. that becomes their original work.
1: That being said, I'm sorry. No, go ahead. That being said, in another case, a picture of Eddie Van Halen, which was used by a museum. And the museum won the case against the photographer. The photographer said the museum had stolen the picture. And it was ruled that it was fair use because the exhibit... Was not about Eddie Van Halen so much as it was about his effect on rock and roll. And the picture was there to show his guitar, Frankenstein, the red mm-hmm. guitar with the stripes on it, and to illustrate the stuff that Eddie had done to transform the way rock and roll was performed and played and the sound of it. Because people don't know this about Eddie, but Eddie owned like 15 patents. Eddie, you know, he, he, he created all kinds of new sounds with his guitar and all kinds of new equipment. And so it was really about the guitar. And they used this guy's picture, which he's got the guitar in his hands. And the guy says, no. And your thoughts, Gary Hughes?
0: <laughs> yeah, I, the, the thing is that I don't have to know what the heck I'm talking about because there are uh, lawyers and, and judges uh, who decide all these things. But I don't want to know what the lawyers
1: and the judges say. I want to know, you take a picture of Eddie Van Halen, and then it shows up in a big museum.
0: I have no idea on earth why you can't just ask for permission or pay for a license to use it. You know, if you're doing an—I mean I, mean, I know that this is kind of multifaceted, but if there is a exhibit glorifying, you know, the bou Ray Perry's con- contribution to photography in a legitimate art museum— and they contacted your—obviously, you have representatives. They contacted your representatives. I mean, you'd be like, okay, sure. Oh, here's and, and you do the paperwork. Or you go, uh, the photographer who took that or whatever, like, you know, just pay him. Just if you're going to make money off of it, just pay him. It's better than getting sued later and then losing everything that you made and having to pay damages. Just, like, why? What's the excuse for stealing it, especially if, my God, I can see— Doing it because you're like, don't have the money. I can see you doing it because, like, you, you need to put this art out there and you justify somehow in your mind. But if you've got money and a budget and, and backers and financial, you know, wherewithal, like, why can't you just ask? Why can't you just pay? Say, okay, well, every one of these we sell. You're going to get a nickel or something. Like, what's the big flippin' deal I know, about it's that? It's the
1: thing I don't get is, it was a Florida photographer, by the way, Lawrence Morano. The picture was shot in 82, and we're talking about the Met, the Metropolitan Museum of Art.
0: Okay, so they got money.
1: Right, and, it was, and the exhibit was called, it was a 2019 exhibition called Play It Loud, Instruments of Rock and Roll. So, I, I go back and forth. Part of me understands fair use in that, for example, if you would like to publish the I Have a Dream speech by Martin Luther King, you have to pay Martin Luther King's estate to get co- a copyright to, in order to publish it. However, if you would like to put it in the newspaper or if you'd like to put it into a textbook, you don't have to pay because fair use doctrine says that for educational purposes, you can reproduce certain things that way. I get that. So then you go, well, museums are educational, mm-hmm. right? Museums are educational. That's what these exhibits are and therefore it's fair use. But then on the other hand, you go, but it's a museum. This is a place that is supposed to hold sacred and artists rights. So why would you not, why wouldn't that be the first thing museums think of is we never put anything in our museum without knowing we have permission from the artist, right? You're not going to argue, right? So that's, yeah, that's what I find weird. And I, I, I'm, and I don't know Lawrence, but if you contacted me and said, we want to put a picture of yours in the Met, uh, you know, on an ex- for an exhibit about the rock and roll and blah, blah, blah. I'd be like, put my name on the bottom of the photo.
0: That's all I'm asking. Do you know how many people took pictures of Eddie Van Halen holding that guitar?
1: Yes, that's the other thing. If the guy didn't want to let you use his picture, you could, there would have only been another million people who were willing to give you a picture.
0: Call one of the other three million photographers who have taken that picture and somebody is going to be like, you're going to put that in the Met? Of course, here, whoop, here you go, here's permission. You could put out. You could put out a press release and hold a contest.
1: We're looking for the best Eddie Van Halen picture holding Frankenstein to put in this med exhibit. You're not going to get paid at all. We're just going to give you a little credit, and you would have had a hundred thousand submissions.
0: No question. Yeah, it's just I think that most copyright infractions on issues like this almost don't even need to exist. Like it's just all you got to do is ask, and if they say no, then get another picture from someone else. That's like I just don't. I it never. Never Bob. it never occurs to me that any that it's, that it's justified. Like, just pay up or, or use somebody else's picture, you'll be fine, everything will be okay. I just don't get it. Uh, there's one more piece of news that I wanted to go over before we run out of time, and this is lens news from Canon. Canon rumors has revealed some pictures and some specs on the RF 100 millimeter 2.8 L IS USM macro. So, basically, this is the 100 macro lens, but for the new Canon mirrorless cameras. And so, of course, it has the added control ring that all the RF lenses have that you can program to, you know, change the ISO or, or pretty much any setting on the camera you want. But this lens has two features that have not previously existed on any version of this lens that I know about. And I'm going to tell you what they are right now. The first is that it has a 1.4 times magnification built in, which is pretty slick so you can get even closer get an even larger image using this lens which is cool and the other feature is and this was up for some debate what this actually was this is a what's called an s a control s a control sony alpha s a it probably wasn't appropriate say <laughs> sony alpha uh s a control and so if you look at the photos on the side, and I posted this on the Facebook page, facebook.com slash It gives you a third ring that you can adjust one way or the other, plus or minus, for SA control. And so it has come out just this morning. I checked Canon Rumors to find out what this is. And apparently SA control is spherical aberration control. Essentially what this means is that when you're shooting at larger apertures, when the hole is bigger, so you're shooting down at 2.8, it tends to make the camera have a harder time focusing because lights, um, the outer part of the lens don't bring in light rays into the same focus as the central part. So essentially what this is going to do is give the ability to adjust the spherical aberration to make sure you get sharper images when shooting macro up close at wider apertures, which is pretty slick. This is a really cool feature to be able to get, to get sharper images when you're shooting macro and you're shooting wide open
1: can you do you, do we know can you see it in real time like when you're when you're
0: shooting it and you, and you move that SA ring can you tell it gets sharper there are no samples of this because Canon even hasn't even made the official announcement this is all leaked so i imagine that there will be videos and samples of this but here's the bottom line when it comes to stuff like this this sounds like really cool technology there's no doubt in my mind that being a complete rebuild from the ground up using their latest technology this lens is going to be incredible here's the other thing the only people who are geeked out about SA Control are macro photography nerds, and they are psyched. <laughs> oh, I bet they are. They're, they're losing it today.
1: Oh, SA Quality Control.
0: Dude, dude, they are psyched, bro. They are psyched. They are psyched.
1: Hey, you know what? I, oh, and, and we got to wrap, but I want I to put this. I was having this discussion the other day with somebody about lenses and full frame and crop, micro four thirds and medium format, and how every, all lenses are designed, are, are labeled based on the idea of a full frame sensor. So it's a 24-70 millimeter lens. But if I put that on my camera, now it's a 36-105 uh, or whatever, right? Mm-hmm. And so as a result, you know, my lenses, I don't have a 70. I don't have a 24-70. to 70, I have a 16-55, to 55, which is the same equivalent, blah, blah, blah. Wouldn't it be great if all the camera manufacturers just got together and said, you know what? We're just going to have a standard for magnification and we're going to label everything that. So 35 millimeter equivalent is X. And then there's 1X, 2X, 3X, 4X. So you're like, what's that lens? Oh, it's 2X to 4X. What's that lens? Oh, it's minus 2 to 1.
0: Wait, (laughs) do you hear that? I'm pretty sure I hear villagers coming down the path to the <laughs> castle because they are going to string you up and burn you alive.
1: Because it, so- because it sounds like some cheap camera you buy. It's got a oh, 5x zoom. You right, You are, you, know? you. Ooh, But, you. but, but it, would, it would make it so much easier because instead, instead of having to do all that math, you would just be like, well, you know, what's the holy trinity of lenses? Well, let's see. Okay, well, the holy trinity of lenses, if you're a wedding photographer, is usually uh, 16 to 35, 24, 70, 200. Right. So uh, if, say... 35 is the standard that's x and say 16 is minus one so that's a minus minus one minus one x and then a
0: now you're making it actually more complicated
1: yeah but it would just be nice if you could just it didn't if you didn't have to do the math and you just knew you're just like i need a zoom lens what do you need i need a two four
0: so any of you bombardiers who would like to burn Bure in effigy, please send us a video of you abusing your Bure voodoo dolls.
1: Yeah, I need a two four. The problem is if you did that,
0: you'd be like, this lens is a two four.
1: Well it's a two four if you put it on a full frame camera, but if you put it on a crop sensor camera, this this lens is actually a three six. So you still have the same problem, wouldn't you?
0: The only thing I can think that could simplify it. Is that instead of putting the actual millimeters on a lens, they can put the full frame equivalent on the lens. However, that would then you would run into problems in medium format where you might get into like reverse numbers or whatever. But essentially, you know that would be that I have that because I I have the Canon uh, XA XC10, which is like one of their higher end camcorders, and it's got a one inch sensor, which is a crop sensor. But the, the it's got a, a lens on it that is it's you can't change the lens, but it zooms from twenty four to two hundred. And uh and it's on it, the millimeters are done in full frame equivalent.
1: Right. Okay, there's there you go. Wait a minute. Maybe that's what you need. So you could just put a designation like uh, C prop or M for medium or F for full frame. So you would buy a twenty four you would buy a twenty four seventy F and I would buy a twenty four seventy C. And my twenty-four seventy would in reality be an eighteen to fifty five, but it would just say twenty-four seventy C on it. So I knew it was equivalent to a twenty-four seventy.
0: But here's here's the problem. The vast, vast, vast majority of people are shooting with crop sensor cameras compared to full frame of some kind, whether it's micro four thirds, a phone, or an APS C camera. There are so many more digital rebels out there than five D's and or than R fives. And so my point is you can't do that because you're, you're, you're disenfranchising somebody. Although I think all well, of the... no, a- how
1: do you figure? All you're doing is putting a C. Instead of having the lenses that I have, which I can't even remember what they are because I have it locked into my head, 1635, 2470, 7200. Uh, you'll hear me say, when I, on the show, I'll say, so I put on my big lens because I'm thinking 7200, but it's not. But if it was called a 70-200C, to problem solved.
0: Okay, I've got it. Here's what you need to do. I would like you to write down and make some spreadsheets and put together a very strongly worded but respectful manifesto. And we can pass this along to all of the camera companies and we can create some kind of like lens mount alliance.
1: Yes, they would never do it though because the nerds who make cameras were like, but it's not a 24 to 70, it's an 18 to 55. Yes, but if you would just label it, if you would just label it a 2470C and a 70 to 200C, then we would know that it's the equivalent of those lenses.
0: It's, it's it's just confusing in a completely different way now.
1: I don't think it is. I think it's less confusing.
0: We're going to go ahead and I'm going to take two huge steps away from you because what's going to happen is as the flaming pitchforks and the arrows start flying, I, I don't want to be near you when this happens.
1: How do you think it's more confusing? Well, first of all, you only have full frame. But how do you think it's more confusing? If you had a full frame and a crop sensor, wouldn't it be less confusing if all of your lenses were labeled the same? No, because
0: there are plenty of lenses that are interchangeable between both.
1: Well, then, then that's on you. If you buy a twenty-four seventy lens. And now
0: the system is broken down. If you
1: buy a twenty-four seventy lens and you want to put it on your crop cancer well, then your camera, then you do have to do
0: the math. Bure, this sounds like a big government solution to a problem that should be taken care of by the individual. The individual responsibility to learn about focal lengths and their <laughs> sensor size, and you're trying to create a big government yeah. solution.
1: Valid. That's, that's what I do. I'm so <laughs> happy when I fix that strap. I'm so happy when I fix that strap. That's what, that's what I do. I like to come up with stuff like this. Okay, we have to wrap it up. Uh, Photobomb is written and produced by Boo Ray Perry and Gary Hughes, and our editor is Daniel Munoz. Uh, you can find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash podcast. Our website is photobombpodcast.com. Gary's website is com. So it is. My website is rayperry.com and our email address is questions at photobombpodcast.com. We'll see you back here next week.
0: See you later.